Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. As a parent, how often do you let the stress and pressure of life bury the vision you once had inside of you? How can you pull the purpose back up to the forefront of your life? Cassie Garcia is a certified life coach who is on a mission to help women reclaim their confidence, take charge of their personal and professional success, and move forward without holding themselves back. As Cassie puts it, she helps women learn how to listen to their internal GPS again. Cassie has built a sustainable success system focused on the following three components, vision blueprint, confident mindset, and compounding action. According to Cassie, your vision should be in front of you in some capacity every day, be it visual, written, or auditory. You should see your current reality becoming your vision. Similar to how your financial plan will change as your life changes, your vision can and should evolve as well. But Cassie points out, do not fear the fear of forever. Please enjoy my conversation with Cassie Scarcia. Cassie Scarcia, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Thank you for having me. I always, sometimes, I, even with the easy last names, I, I still kind of struggle. So, Scarcia, right? I got yeah, it. Yeah, you actually got it, got it right the first time. So, kudos to you. A lot of people can't do that. Well, um, I'm excited to have the conversation with you today um, because as my listeners may or may not know you are a life coach that really focuses on working with moms. And so um, that's a big part of our our listeners, our parents and, and moms. So I think the the experience and the knowledge that you're going to bring today will be um, extremely beneficial. So let's let's start with having you explain who you are and what you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as you said, my name is Cassie. Um, I am a life and mindset success coach for busy moms. Um, primarily, I, I love to focus with moms who have young kids, but certainly work with all moms. But those early years are near and dear to my heart as I'm in them right now myself. Um, I've been coaching for almost eight years now, though. Started back in 2015 before it was kind of the the cool thing to do. Um, made a big pivot in my life, started life coaching, uh, worked with um, women kind of in their 20s and 30s at the time, um, kind of who were going through what I call the quarter life slump. So usually we wanted to maybe change careers or make a big life change or really find what made them them and fulfilled them in life. And then in August uh, 2020, um, I found out I was pregnant with my first daughter unexpectedly. Um, COVID, COVID got us. So, <laughs> um, that really shifted things for me a little bit. I went through um, depression and anxiety during my pregnancy, which nobody talks about. So I was very surprised by that. And then as well afterwards, which that's a little more talked about, luckily. But um, in my experience, trying to 
find myself again, find my identity, reconnect with my passions, my purpose, my dreams, my goals as an individual outside of motherhood, I realized how challenging that was and how little support there is. So I actually pivoted my coaching business to to kind of focus in on moms to really make sure that they have somebody in their corner to help them reconnect with who they are and their passions and dreams that fulfill their themselves outside of motherhood so they can actually become a better mom and a better person in the process. So how did you how did you get into coaching to begin with? Yes, I love telling this story. So <laughs> everybody's got a person- story and I love them. <laughs> Yep. Um, I didn't, I didn't like choose coaching. As I say, I didn't even know it existed. Didn't know it was a thing. Never heard of it, you know, before I found it. Um, I was the kid who followed the path you were supposed to. I got really good grades in high school. I got into a really good college. I got my degree. I got the good job with the good retirement and the benefits and the career pathway. I had actually just gotten my master's degree. So got my education the way I was supposed to. I was maybe not even two weeks out from finishing my master's degree and I went to a networking event in um, DC at the time. Didn't want to go. I was tired. Wasn't an easy thing to get to, but something just told me I needed to be there. And I went and I met a life coach. And the second that she said the word, hey, like, you know, I'm a life coach, something lit up inside of me. And I was like, what is that? I need to know more about that. I was the person who always was giving advice and helping talk things through with my friends. I read Chicken Soup for the Soul as a kid. I didn't like Harry (laughs) Potter or fiction books. I was reading self-help books from a very early age. And so once I got talking to her about coaching, it was like this. This is what I've been looking for. And it's it's aligned with who I am and how I want to show up in the world. I had no idea how to make that a thing. I wasn't looking for entrepreneurship. I wasn't looking for coaching. Um, But we got lunch two days later, and I enrolled in my first year-long coach training program on the spot. And how does that... And I've had a few life coaches on. And full disclosure, I think the work that you guys do as as a coach, life coach, everybody, I think, has a different name, kind of like a financial advisor. (laughs) Is it a financial advisor, wealth advisor, portfolio man? It's like, there's a lot of different names for for the work that I do. Mm -hmm. But I I have a fond appreciation for it because as I've gotten older in my career, and I think back to like playing sports and watching sports and now watching my kids play sports, like everybody has a coach. Like we had a coach growing up. And then as we get in our careers, unless you find like a, a good mentor that's potentially a coach, like you're, you're, you don't get coached anymore, which yep. is kind of, um, uh, not good, I guess, put it, <laughs> put it like that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not good because y- somebody that's there can help bring more out of you. And that's one Absolutely. of my questions I want to get into is like, how do you bring that out of people? Because I'm, I kind of fit that mold with the type of financial planning that I do is trying to get people to, unlock their, I guess, hidden potential for a better word mm-hmm. and identify like what their purposes are, what their supporting objectives are. It's not just about numbers. So Absolutely. how how do you, let, so let me just go right there. Like how do you work with people, especially moms and get out of them their full potential and identify you know, what what that is? Because it's it's really challenging. Believe mm-hmm. me, I live with Teresa every day and she's trying to balance, you know, her full-time career with mm-hmm. raising these triplets plus one. And it's extremely difficult. 
Absolutely. Uh, first off, kudos to her. <laughs> Shout out to the moms because I mean that's I said I have one right now. I can't even fathom four yet. Um, so kudos to her. But I think one of the the biggest things that I've noticed in kind of you know, my eight years of coaching, I have three certifications. Um, what I really help my clients tap into is learning how to listen to their internal GPS system. So growing up, we almost are taught how to turn off our internal GPS system. We listen to the people around us, what we should do, what the expectations are, um, the beliefs of our family, of society, of the school we go to, the people that we're around on a regular basis. And we start to make life decisions based on those shoulds and expectations, as well as our current circumstances. So I teach a lot about circumstance-based thinking versus vision-driven thinking. Most of us, I would say at least 97% of the world operate from circumstance-based thinking. We look at our current circumstances, our education, our income, where we live, the people in our lives, our skills, and base our future decisions off of those current circumstances. But when we do that, we get more of our current circumstances. So with my clients, it's shifting to a vision-driven thinking where I... I bring out of them the vision of a life they would love to be living. Um, I use three years from now, but it's there's no arbitrary like set deadline, but creating this, this powerful vision so they can live from a vision instead of from their current circumstances. And in doing that, helping them to tune into that intuition inside as to what would they love? What feels expansive versus constrictive? What feels life-giving versus life-draining? So learning to listen to the signals that we're getting on a regular basis, we just don't know how to identify them, or we know it and we ignore them, and we wait for some big emotional life impact, a divorce, an illness, a car accident, a layoff. That's when change comes because it's so drastic, we can't ignore it anymore. I help my clients listen to the more subtle signals a lot earlier to build the roadmap that's meant for them and where they want to go in their life. Yeah, I totally agree with you about, um, unfortunately, catastrophic catastrophic events, can't even talk this morning, um, <laughs> is our main driver why people, I think, eventually reach out to somebody like me as a financial advisor or somebody like you as a life yes. coach. And you just wish you could have gotten to them before something happened like that. But going back to what you just were talking about, do you have like a specific, because I'm really interested, I'm always interested in frameworks and processes, especially around this topic. Is there like a specific framework that you utilize to help draw that out of somebody? Because it, from my experience, it is really, really difficult. Yes. So yeah, so I have my own framework. So I call it the sustainable success system. That's my overarching framework that I use in my coaching program. Um, And there's three main components to that. So it's uh, the vision blueprint is the first phase. Confident mindset is the second phase. And compounding action is the third phase. What we're really talking about is that vision blueprint area. So I like to think of myself almost like a life architect or a dream architect where I take my clients through a process of uh, building an optimized vision blueprint. We're not talking vision board here. We're talking well beyond that. Um, asking the right kind of questions, digging into how to cultivate a strong vision statement. Um, And in that, it's a process, right? Usually when we first start, they're more surface level of what they would want, right? The career they want, the life they want, the memories they want. And as we work together, we dig deeper and they allow themselves to open up to this curiosity a lot more. Um, And what we do in this vision statement and this optimized vision blueprint process that I have is it's all about using your senses. So think about this. If you go to the movie theater and you're watching a scary movie 
and somebody makes some loud noise or the door slams or something happens, you jump, you're startled, right? You logically know you're perfectly fine and you're in a movie theater, right? However, you're immersed in this movie. Our subconscious does not know the difference between that movie and our reality. And that's why you don't, you, you logically get it, but you, your brain reacts to the sound as if you're in the movie. So we need to be conscious of the movie that we're playing in our head constantly. And so what I do with a vision blueprint is we cultivate a very specific vision of what somebody would love. We're talking memories. We're talking trips. We're talking the conversations they're having on a regular basis. We're talking the impact they're having in the world, what they're doing on a regular basis. Are they working near water in a building at home with people? And the neat thing is you don't need job titles. You don't need the company name. Those aren't the details that matter. But I help them parse out the ones that do matter and what they would love and start to listen to, to does this feel expansive or does this feel constrictive? And as they learn to listen to that, they can start to ask themselves the questions. And as they're going through their daily life, they're noticing, oh, I really love doing this thing. I'm drawn to this. I wonder if that should be a part of my vision or I'm drawn to this. And should that be a part of my vision? We create this vision statement. It becomes a part of their everyday life, which is very pivotal. And then we take action steps based on that vision to bring them closer to it. So as they're making decisions and choosing what to do next, they're weighing it against their vision to see if it feels aligned, if it feels um, expansive for it. And so in that process, they're learning more and more about what it is they would love. They're almost unraveling the the blockers and the guards and the all the muck that we have built up around how life should be and what we need to do and how it's going to work. And as they do that, they can open up more and more to a bigger vision for their life. I would imagine, because I run into this as well, is... to to that point you just made is letting people take their guards down and like almost like letting go of that that fear yes um i think people have fear of well all kinds of fears right fear of letting people down uh fear of the unknown i see a lot of i talk about the fear of forever right we talk a lot about you know fear of failure fear of but the fear of forever right we are programmed to think about making decisions from the lens of forever. Will I love this forever? Will this work forever? Will this make me happy forever? Will, you know, you know. Think about we think about marriage. We think about education. We think about careers. They're all from the lens of like forever. Life isn't meant to be measured by forever. We're going to change. We're going to evolve. There's chapters. So having to help my clients rework the mindset of like, where am I at right now? What would I love right now? I'm going to explore that. And it's okay if it changes. It's okay if it evolves. It's okay if I change my mind later. But there is such a fear around taking chances now and what the impact on forever is going to be um, that people don't even want to try because it's easier to just stay in your comfort zone, what you know, what you're familiar with, even if you don't like it, that is still more comfortable than the unknown. Yeah. And I just listening to talk through that, it's, I think a lot of like what you do as a life coach and what I do as a financial advisor, um, because I run my family office very different than I think most is like, there's this focus on, I guess it's called behavioral coaching or financial coaching today. But it it's really like when I put together a financial plan for somebody and we get everything on one page, I say there's an emotional side of the ledger on the left mm-hmm. side and there's the financial ledger on the right side. And, and walking in and listening to you talk through that um you know it i make the point where whatever we come up today 
we know it's going to be wrong. We just don't know mm-hmm. how wrong the magnitude <laughs> of, of, of wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't guarantee anybody return, but I can guarantee that this will, this will be wrong or it will change. I think that's yeah. the, the key word. It will change. So don't, even though we're coming up with this today, don't anchor yourself to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Embracing change, right? Change is scary. I think we're not, we're raised from a young age to almost avoid it and try to like prevent it when it's one of the most beautiful parts of our life. And if we can actually shift that mindset to seeing the beauty in it and the opportunity in it, and that that's the evolution of life, it can open new doors for us. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point because it kind of gets back to that point that you just made about fear forever. Because I I work, and I'm sure you do as well. You work with a lot of people that are going through transitions, whether Mm -hmm. they lost their job voluntarily yep. or involuntarily. And yep. <laughs> you're going through that is very, very dramatic. I know I've gone through it before so personally. Um, and you you can easily get stuck there, like thinking, okay, well, this is my lot in life. This is forever. And rather than embracing that change in the moment, because like when things do change, like six months after that, you look back and like, crap, why did I worry so much about that? Yep. I'm like, I knew I would have been fine. And that would, I mean, I've yet to really meet somebody that's gone through a transition like that, that hasn't come out better on the other end. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, man, that can feel hard. I've done it. I was, um, I was working a job during COVID and I was laid off during COVID. And so I, I remember that feeling of crap, like, what am I, what am I going to do? And I, it was a pivotal moment for me actually, where I, I sat down the day I got laid off. I vividly remember it and was like, okay, I can either choose to give into this fear and the circumstances and kind of scramble and and do the bare minimum or the emergency kind of patchwork right now, or I can take a breath. I can take a step back and I can apply the very principles I teach my clients um, about what would I love from this? What could what good could there be in this for me? What could come from this? And if I were operating from that person, that way of thinking, what steps would I take next? It wasn't like I was sitting here being like, oh, I don't need money or I'm going to magically find money. But I showed up differently. I made different choices. I had a different mindset around it. Um, and I came out of COVID far better off financially, emotionally, career-wise than I was at in that situation. But had I not taken this chance to stop and say, wait a minute, what can I make of this? And how do I want this to go? I don't think that would have happened. Yeah, I think, and I, I, it seems like I stress this over and over um, especially the last few years is taking that time to pause is mm-hmm. invaluable. But again, it's one of those things that's much easier said than done because when you're in the yes. throes of, of chaos like that, the last thing you feel like you should be doing is to stop and absolutely allow yourself to think. Go, yeah. I want to come back to to two things. One on this vision blueprint that that you're that mm-hmm. you talk about that you walk your your clients through. Yeah. Do you actually use like any type of visual references? Like do you do you have your clients actually like build pictures if you will, like something that's very tangible that they can see? Because I I know in a lot of the reading and research that I do on these types of topics, you know, having that that visual visual actual picture is. Yeah extremely helpful. 
Yeah, visuals are extremely important, whether, and the, the key thing there is it doesn't necessarily have to be a printed picture, but in the vision itself, um, it's very visual driven because you are completely right. The way we think, if you, if I asked you right now to think of your front door or a refrigerator, you would think in pictures. So we think in pictures. That's how we hold memories. It's how we hold energy. Um, and so one of the things that I do that's very important to the vision blueprinting system is creating visual examples of the life that somebody would want to live. So for instance, if somebody says, you know, I want to have great health or I want to have, you know, lots of money or I want to be debt free, right? That it by itself is not energetically powerful enough to actually get things moving and to give you sustainable energy and willpower when you need it. So instead it's okay, well, if you were debt free, what would that look like in your life for you? And what would excite you? So for me, it's going into a store, any store I want, not looking at the price tag, trying clothes on and picking out whatever I feel like whenever I want, not planning my shopping trips, not having a budget for it. I can walk in. I can do what makes me feel good when I want to, when I feel like I enjoy it, hand over my credit card, no stress, no worries, walk out of that store with a giant smile on my face. Now for my clients, what I would do in that instance is we'd paint that picture. Talk about the store when you walk in. What's what do you what does it look like? What is playing on the radio? What does it smell like? You're gonna walk into the dressing room. I want you to paint a picture of what it's like to try something on. How do you look? How do you feel? What are you saying to yourself? The image of actually handing over the credit card and what it feels like, the image of walking out of that store with a giant smile on your face, the sun shining down, you can feel it on your skin. You're gonna walk down the street to your favorite coffee shop, feeling powerful and amazing. You're gonna meet somebody there. So it's creating a movie. It's creating very, very concrete visuals. You know, people talk about wanting to travel. Okay, let's talk about that, right? Paint a picture. So I always talk about my husband's taking, you know, just surprise me with a beautiful trip to the Mediterranean where we walk out on the wood planks to a, a, a hut on the water by ourselves, blue turquoise water all the way around us. There's white candles, white linens everywhere. I can smell the ocean. I can feel the water on my skin. So like, that's a very visual, tangible, um, I call it sensorized, right? Why was it feel like, smell like, you know, what are you hearing because of that visual nature? So then when we write the vision statement, we write those visuals into it. And then for a lot of my clients, it's what works for them. Do you want to read that statement every day to yourself? Do you want to record it and listen to it, which a lot of my clients love to do? Do you want to hang it on your bathroom mirror and have visuals there? Do you want to create a vision board that goes with it? Because the problem is with pictures from magazines or vision boards, they're great. I'm not knocking it. I've done it. They're not specific enough. They're not powerful enough because they're not visual enough almost. They're too generic. So, but visuals are extremely important in really getting those tangible examples of what your life would look like if it has the components that you're looking for. How often are you having uh, the people the people that you work with come back to what you just described as either reading or or yep. listening to that like is there like a mm -hmm. a set formula that that you, you need to do this every day or every other day or how many every times day a is week? the recommendation in some capacity um we create what i call a travel sized version of the vision because it can be long right once we really start to build this and people kind of open the floodgates it's incredible what people dream up that they didn't even realize was in there until they finally let themselves listen and tap into it so the floodgates open, it can be a long statement. And then we create a shortened version because you should every day be touching your vision in some capacity because you then use it as your guidepost for how you show up in the day, 
right? My clients work. So I kind of call it, you know, tools in their tool belt, right? They know that when they make a decision, they'll ask themselves, what would the person in my vision do right now? What would the person in my vision be thinking and saying and behaving like? How would the person in my vision be getting dressed in the morning? How would the person in my vision be showing up at the current job I'm in? So even though that's my current circumstance, I don't want more of that. I want my vision. So how would I, how would that version of me show up in my daily life now so I can actually get closer to my vision. So it has to be something that you're immersed in on a regular basis. And it almost becomes your brain doesn't know your current reality from your vision. It becomes so intertangled that you start to think it's real. The universe starts to think it's real. And that's why things start to, you attract things. That's law of attraction. It's not like, oh, I want to find $20 in the street and I'm going to walk down and magically find it. You become a magnet when you start to show up in alignment with what you want, not what you currently have. So let me let me go back to this framework. It, you you had three th- three points of your yep. sustainable success s- system. Yep. One was vision blueprint. What was number two and three? Yep. Confident mindset, and then compounding action. Confident mindset and compounding action. Yep. Okay. How did you come up with this framework, this this sustainable success system? Mm-hmm. Um, years of, well, one, I have three certifications. So I've gone through other programs. I've taken bits and pieces from those you know, programs and things I've learned, um, certainly my own life. And then really, it really came to life when I went through my own pregnancy experience. And I really had to uh, put my own work to the test, honestly, to find my way back to motivation and and focus and what I wanted in life because I, I got so taken out of that and so disconnected from it. Um, and that's when I realized the pieces that I needed and kind of said, okay, here's what I need and here's how it all fits together. So it kind of came to life um, with my pregnancy. So when you're... I want to come back to this, this, mm-hmm. this compounding action yep. because that's... Like it's great that you put all this together. You've got your vision. You're you you're you're becoming more confident. But I think that's the other. I think tipping point is people actually taking action. I deal with this a lot with with working with families and putting together financial plans. We can put everything together, and then it's hard to get people to take take that action. I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard for. I have I have very strong um, feelings and very empathetic when people call me for the first time because I know talk about fear like how much fear they got over just to pick up the phone call or to book the meeting to have an initial just to have an initial conversation yeah. not even to work together yet um, but you know once we get through all that then it's okay finding it's not finding the time it's it's how is this important enough to to take the action just like is it important enough to take 5 10 minutes to think about your life what you want you know spouse kids partners whatever it may be yeah action um it's there's a reason it's a core component of my system right what i've noticed in the personal development world especially is i feel like you either have mindset focus people are so focused on only the mindset part and it's extremely important by all means. You've got to, it's the foundation for everything, right? You go to the gym to work your muscles out. You got to work your brain muscles as well. However, they focus either only on the mindset or all on the doing and the action. So and a lot of our world's based much more on the doing, right? Just go and, and work hard and hustle and grind and do the things. 
when you combine the two, that is where the magic is. But you've got to have both. And you've got to know how to leverage both of them together to complement each other. And I don't find that happening very often. Um, and I think part of it is you either have your hustlers and your grinders and your doers, or you have the people who have a lot of fear. Um, and often when you're not taking action, there's a couple of reasons. One, definitely fear. It's out of your comfort zone um, and you don't even realize it, but fear shows up as distraction, dissuasion, delay. It's not going to be like a neon sign that says, hi, I'm fear. <laughs> so you have to learn to notice it, right? Like, oh, I, I'm I'm feeling like I should magically do the dishes instead of doing anything else. Of course, I need to be done by all means, but is that really actually more of a delay tactic because you're avoiding doing the step that you want to you sh- know you should be taking? So learning to identify it, but... When I talk about compounding action, this is something I really found um, as a mom, especially. You can hustle and grind all you want, but oftentimes those little steps won't give you the big leaps you want. So prior to becoming a mom, I hustled like it was a badge of honor. I thought it was something I was proud of because society does reward it kind of. If we think about it, it's, it's, it is something that you can be proud of. Um, I would work late. I would sacrifice. I would get up early. Like, And I loved it. It was almost like an adrenaline rush for me. Then I became a mom and that just wasn't working anymore. When I tried to kind of get back to my dreams and my passions and my goals, I tried to go back to the hustle mode. I tried to just stay up later, work with the baby in my arms, um, you know, not watch any TV, like do all the things they say to do, right? And all it did was burn me out more, make me more resentful, more bitter, and make me want to shut down and be like, I just don't want to bother trying at anything anymore. Like I just want to like do the bare minimum. So I quickly was like, okay, well, this isn't working. Like, that's not going to work in my life anymore. What does need to be different? And so what I realized is when I take vision-driven action, so very intentional action steps, and I have a process for helping my clients know how to do that, those action steps compound just like compounding interest does. One penny turns to two and two to four and four to eight. So when you actions, if you take the right kind of actions, small actions can compound to create bigger leaps forward less hustle, less burnout, less overwhelm, but you got to know the right kind of actions to be taking rather than just doing all the things to do them, which is just going to burn you out. Yeah. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one, because I think it's Stephen Covey. It's like, you can have the ladder example. You're, you're, you can be going up the ladder and that ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. You're getting nowhere faster. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) So, let me kind of let me bring it back. How did you start working specifically with moms? Obviously, you're a mom, so that's one of the reasons why I work with with big families is because I have I have a big family. I have seven yep. you know triplets, and so I work with a lot of families that have twins or triplets. I don't I don't have a family that has quads yet, but I'm sure <laughs> one day I will. But obviously, there's a there's an intuitiveness about you know working with you know who you know, like, and, and trust. And that's, and that's your world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's kind of ironic because prior to getting pregnant, you know, like I knew I wanted to be a mom and, and that was always on the roadmap, but um, I didn't work with moms. I remember I was in a, a business program and they asked about my kind of my ideal client, you know, you all the work for that. And it was like, it wasn't moms specifically wasn't moms because I felt like I couldn't quite relate yet. I couldn't understand exactly the experience they were having. Um, and then funny enough, I got pregnant shortly after that. So I don't know who was like the universe being like, well, we're going to just throw a wrench in this. But, um, and it is true though, like you can empathize with moms and until you become one, you will never fully, parents in general, you will never understand exactly what that experience is like until you are in it. 
Um, cause it just, I mean, I had nieces, nephews, I babysat, I've been around kids still like no way I knew until I was in it. And so once I became a mom, I also became very aware to the lack of resources. I mean, obviously I knew that to some degree, the maternity leave in America and things of that nature, but horrible. <laughs> um, when it's forefront for you and it's right there and you're like, wow, like I noticed, for instance, there was, um, you know, very little medical care afterwards, um, very little mental health care. I mean, it took me almost a year to find a good therapist that understood postpartum depression, um, which is so frustrating because no offense when you're in it, the last thing you want to be doing is searching tirelessly to find a therapist to go to to help you because you're exhausted as it is. So it became kind of near and dear to my heart of realizing the lack of support, the lack of resources and how much moms I think feel like they have to be martyrs and they have like, and it's a badge of honor to sacrifice yourself in the name of your family and your kids. And I realized for me, that was going to make me a worse mom. I was not going to be a better mom for that. Giving up a part of who I am, because this is truly for me, it's like a limb, an arm or a leg. If I were to lose this, I wouldn't be me. And I really was like, I don't want my daughter to have that version of me. And I want other moms to know it's okay to give themselves permission to still have dreams and passions and goals outside of being a mom. And they don't have to sacrifice those to be a good mom. You can actually be a better one for having the things that make you who you are. Um, and it's funny because now like I'm looking into eventually maybe some further education and, and motherhood studies and things. I've just gotten very passionate about understanding this massive life transition we go through and helping to bring light to the help we need, the support we need, the resources that we need, because man, it's just, it's not out there right now, unfortunately, not enough. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess, but I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask, ask a question anyways, as I often do. Mm -hmm. Do you think that being a mom has helped you be a better coach? 100%. Absolutely. Um, it's opened up a whole, a new understanding for me. I think I also to test my theories a lot more. Um, I think it's just my mind is thinking different. I'm also just learning a lot. I'm learning a lot that I can apply to my coaching business. So, um, and I'm the kind of coach who always, um, one of the reasons my clients love working with me is I'm very genuine. I'm authentic. I'm open. I'm never that coach is like, oh, I have it all figured out and I'm perfect and I'm amazing. Cause I just, any coach who says that I'd probably run in the other direction. Honestly, I'm a couple of steps ahead on the ladder and I'm reaching back and I'm helping the people who are a couple steps further behind me. And that's the way that I always see it. I'm continuing to advance myself. I have coaches. I have people helping me. Um, and I keep learning and growing as well. And so I think the experience, it just helped me become a better, a better person, a better mom, a better coach, all of it. So how do you, how do people, I, I want to, I want the question I want to ask, well, how do people find you? But before I even get to that is how does, how does someone finally decide from your experience, Cassie, that they need or want to work with somebody like you? Let's start with that question first. Yeah, this is the thing I wish I wish was talked about more because I think it's still hard for people, right? Yeah. Um, I know some people still struggle with feeling like it's a luxury or it's an extra. Um, yet, you know, I remember the one day I was getting my plumbing fixed and it cost me $300 to get like this minor thing fixed. And I was like, I'll spend $300 on that and not question it at all, but I'll question growing myself and transforming something that could change my entire life going forward. So I think, you know, when clients come to me, like you said, right now, it's still often when there's a big emotional impact, they were laid off or they quit or like their, their job tends to be one of the biggest push points for people because 
you spend so much time in your job. And if you really realize like, I am miserable at this and I either want something different or I was laid off. So I have no choice but to find something different. And I'm finally ready to not go back to what I was doing. That's one of the big things I see for people. But I want to help moms and, and, and women in general know that you can do that before that, right? You can start to listen to, you know, like you have a dream. A lot of us have dreams inside of us that we just bury. We ignore and we try to act that they're not there. That wasn't given to you by accident or coincidence. That's not on your heart for no reason, right? So I, I think it's about having to talk about these things more, having to get that exposure so that people can give themselves permission to make an investment in themselves, right? You're a financial guy. You talk about where you spend your money and how you know what's going to do for you and, and the return on investment. We have to help people understand that the return on investment can be massive even if you can't see it. It might not result in the money in your bank account per se, or the the lower, you know, losing the weight on the scale or whatnot, even though it often results in a lot of those things, you know, on the side. But transforming your mind and how you think and how you make decisions and how you show up in the world impacts every area of your life, your marriage, your family, your kids, your friends, your career, everything, everything gets made better by it. So with my clients, a lot of times it's, they're curious so they'll find me on social media or on my website, or they're doing some kind of curiosity searching. And then luckily in a conversation with me, I'm able to make it more tangible for them. I think personal development can feel a little intangible. So like, oh, I'm just going to come and talk to somebody. Like I can go to my friend for that, or I can go to a mentor, or I can go to somebody else. So having to show them the frameworks and the tools and some of the understanding of like what we're really going to work on to make it more tangible is what really helps people know like, oh, okay, wait, this there's something really to this. It's not just talking to somebody. Yeah. I think the one thing that you hit on there was, I think whether, I think parents in general, especially when you, when you have the kids or, you know, the kids are on their way, whether you're a mom or a dad, it's really easy to bury, um, yes. you know, what you really want because that, that, while it's an exciting time, it's also a really pressure induced time. And you start feeling that pressure. Like, you know, you have these, you know, this family to support, whether it's one kid or three kids or four kids, you know, that, that tends to build up. And I think the more that builds up, the heavier that weight is, and it just squashes like what it is that you want. And then, then it's kind of like a downward spiral, like, okay, well, I guess this is my light, lot in life. And this is where I think working with somebody like, you can really help, you can help bring that mm -hmm. vision that you keep referring to out of that, that person that's, that, that's, you know, buried deep inside. Well, you kind of just hit on something, right? If you start to bury certain things, you start to bury everything. You kind of start to accept like, this is just how it's going to be. Um, it doesn't have to be though, but we do, we get so much pressure. I mean, there's financial pressure, there's parenting pressure, there's societal pressure. I mean, there's all kinds of pressure to your point when you become a parent that it can get really easy to just eventually not even know how to listen to yourself anymore and just be so kind of going through the motions and on autopilot. And that breaks my heart. Um, even prior to serving moms, my mission statement's always been to create a generation of women never looking back on life with regret or wondering what if, because we have absolutely no idea how much time we have. Um, I've always been a little bit weird where I've always, I don't know more, but like, I've always been worried that like, I don't know if I'm going to have a really long life. I don't know why that thought's always been on my mind. We're like, I need to make the most of the days that I'm given because we don't know. And there's a lot of people who didn't have the chance. And I, I always think about that. Like the people, when people pass, I don't even know. I think about what they would give to come back. 
and have one more day to pursue the things that lit them up and made them feel alive and they were passionate about and loved and cared about and build a life that let them spend time with the people that they love, doing the things that they love, making the memories that they love. And that motivates me because I'm still here. I still woke up this morning. I'm still breathing. And so I want to make sure that I honor the time that I've been given the best way possible and help other people to do it too. Um, And earlier, right? I see so many moms, yeah, the kids get older and then you go back to it. That's great. But why do we have to waste 10, 15 years until that happens to find ourselves again? Plus, I want my daughter to watch me be a whole person the entire time that she's growing up, not only part of the time. Um, I still have like a long list of questions, but I know I only <laughs> have you for an infinite period of time. So I'm going to get to my my last two. So I'll, okay. I'll start with the closing question that I that I ask all of my guests, um, which is a, a topic we've been talking about all th- throughout our conversation is what is the best thing about being a parent? Mm. For me right now, the stage I'm at, the best thing about being a parent is watching her eyes light up when you know she comes home and, and there I am or I'm back in the room. Just seeing that pure, genuine love, even in the moments that like I want to scream and run away and just be like, oh, you see it in her eyes. It's genuine. It's authentic. That just that love that is so pure. Um, that is absolutely the best part for me right now as a parent. Well, I I remember those days, and I uh, we were talking about this before we started hit the record button. I, I those are the days I really miss. Like when I when they were probably like you know one to three years old, and I'd walk in the door, and they'd be like all excited, just yeah. this <laughs> this excitement. You could just feel it, and I'm like, oh, now I <laughs> now that I almost have teenagers, I don't I don't really get that anymore. So, um. The, and the last thing I, I I want you to lay out for our listeners is how do how do people find you? I know we talk, and I'm glad that you went through the process of like why or you when people get to the point of like how working with somebody like you could really help them. What's the best way for people to find you? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media. So Facebook and Instagram are my primary ones right now. Um, on social media, it's Cassie Sunshine. So um, just K-A-S-S-Y and then Sunshine. We'll make, um, I'll make sure I put a link in the yep. show notes to that. So, so um, on both Instagram and Facebook, so you can always reach out there. Um, I also have my website, just CassieSunshine.com. So you can check that out. And then I'm going to be starting a podcast soon. So I don't know exactly when that'll be launching, but that is in the works for me as well. So um, that'll give moms a chance when you're running to daycare or doing the dishes or folding laundry that you'll have something to listen to there as well. So I will keep everybody posted on that as well. Well, terrific. Well, Cassie, I can't thank you enough for being on the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast. And I have a very strong feeling this this is just the first of many conversations to come. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.